Welcome back to another episode of The Macrumor Show. For those of you who are creeping up on YouTube and watching the video, yes, I am in a completely different space than normal. Uh, but that's probably going to be the new normal for now while I uh, transition from one studio to another. Uh, and you'll also notice that we have Hartley, who's with me as always. But we have a fantastic guest today. We have David Lewis. Uh, I, Hartley has been on a few times with your podcast, right? The Minus 16 podcast. I was on, yep. honestly, I thought I was on like a few months ago. And it was in August. I feel like we just back. talked. It was in August. So time is just flying March by. March is past. Yeah. Yeah. So, David, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to be primarily diving into... Uh, audio today because you have quite an extensive background audio why don't you uh go ahead and tell us because we're all just interested in your audio background and then also be sure to let everyone know we're going to do this in the beginning of the show because i feel like after an hour's worth we don't get to like have people go and visit your sites and what you do your youtube channel and all that so go ahead plug away well the, the background was was radio I, I was in radio for just under a decade uh, presenting specialist music shows so really rare so you, might be, oh, you can't that's some vinyl behind me over there so i've got a real big collection of vinyl so that was always a passion of mine and then broadcasting rather than going to london all the time i built myself a broadcast studio so i kind of got to know audio very well and then i was thinking that would really help coming to youtube but of course that's all video so all that knowledge kind of gets used certainly on podcasts but so my first passion was really with audio and then video now has become a i'm becoming a camera bore now i bought my first decent canon camera and so now i'm trying to learn as much great. as i can about cameras and uh lenses I, I i really want to buy a 24 um 1.4 24 mil 1.4 but they are expensive so so that's kind of the story um and yes i've been regularly posting on youtube now for just under 18 months which is my name david lewis talking tech and audio i've got a website of the same talking tech and audio um and yeah the videos tend to be a lot about apple gear and then some audio based tutorials or how to's that kind of thing the dear evergreen content hartley have you uh dabbled in audio before in, the, in your past too do we have like three audio files here only only as a hobby you know i used to be interested in in vinyl but i had to put a, a stop to that that one as it gets out of control it gets very expensive it i had to stop myself before it went too far very expensive my wife gets mad every uh every so often a couple of vinyls show up on my doorstep but it's like i i grew up in a time where you know buying cds and and for a little bit cassettes was like you know i like to look inside and like follow along look at the artwork the lyrics like that's how i listen to music and you just you can't do that now when you're streaming even though streaming is infinitely more uh useful um but like that's why i buy vinyl it's my way of like supporting the artists and and having like something physical to go along with it um but before we get into more audio related stuff uh with our audio expert um, we have a couple of news headlines, and this one is something that has me super excited. Um, Apple has made significant progress on non-invasive blood glucose monitoring technology. So finally, we've been hearing rumors about this for a long time now. Uh, and so, Hartley, does this get you amped up for the next generation Apple Watch? Although I don't know that it's going to be specifically coming in the Apple Watch Series 9, but it looks like it's it's on its way soon. Yes. So I don't know if it will be 
I don't know if there's a specific timeline for this, but it's got to be in the next few years. Yeah. I believe that what's happened here is this was something that Apple had a breakthrough with when it became sort of uh, a tabletop-sized concept, but then it's been scaled down to become about the size of an iPhone, which is obviously still too big uh, for for an Apple Watch Im uh, implementation. But once it can be miniaturized further, this is a, a real game changer for um detecting uh, early stages of diabetes. Um, it could have some really interesting implications for diet management apps um, and for the whole sort of health kit ecosystem. Uh, now, I know, David, you are quite new to the Apple Watch. So is this is this something that would interest you? I was just going to ask. Yeah, I was very late to Apple Watch. I only got my first one after the fall of last year when the Apple Watch 8 came out. And it was really weird. It was a slow grower. I, I, I kind of started wearing it. What's all the fuss about? It's one of those things, the more you wear it, the more it becomes part of your everyday kind of routine. And the thing is, being competitive, once then I got into Apple Fitness, they were very clever with their three-month free trial, which in turn has led to me getting an Apple One bundle. Um, so I've just got the whole kit and caboodle now. But it, the way it just kind of, I think I said this to you before, Hartley, actually, it kind of gives you this gentle reminder, the, the, the speed and the, the, the tenure of, of the Apple Watch is different to iPhone. It kind of just encourages you more. It's a much more gentle approach. But, you know, the way we sit too long at a desk working for too many hours, and it'll just say time to stand or, you know, it just seems to be a, a good way of prompting you just to monitor what you're doing a little bit better. And I'm a big fan of Apple Fitness now. I, I do work out to them every day. Me and Daryl, we're great friends. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't use Apple Fitness, so I'm guessing that's uh, one of the instructors. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. He does a Pilates course. And again, I never thought I'd do Pilates. I thought that was just a case of standing still and stretching. But uh, no, it, it works so well again with Apple Watch. The more data you give it, of course, in whatever you're doing. And also their audio, funny enough, their audio series, The Time to Walk, love it. They've had some fantastic guests on that. They had Harrison Ford on a couple of weeks back. And they've had uh, Shaka Khan on and they've had all sorts of Pat of the Bell was on some great guests, They're like 30, yeah. 40 minutes long, just a narrative with them talking about their life. And then they pick three or four songs at the end. But, that, you know, it's a great, again, another great motivation. Every Monday, the new episode of that comes down. It's just a good way to get out. I love going out for a walk. It's a great escape because, um, like it's all, I spend too long at a desk. So it's just good escape. Get away from it all, switch off. I should have bought a watch with a data card, though, because it still means I have to take my phone with me, which is annoying. But So yeah. how, do you, how do you feel about these, uh, these um, other health-related, like, metrics that it can track? So being able to get your body temperature, hopefully it can, I mean, it can do that now, but in very limited fashion. Uh, hopefully down the line, we can get something a little more, you know, not specific to, right now it just, it's for what, like for women's cycles. And then uh, it can detect over time if there's like a slight increase or change variation um, in your metrics there for your body temperature. But I know it can get dangerous if we had like a full on thermometer on our wrist, but I would like some more insight into that. But blood pressure, uh, I mean, and then now with the uh, with the blood glucose monitoring for people with, you know, potential diabetes, like that would be huge to be able to monitor all of those things from your watch. I mean, if they could be the first to market with a non-invasive diabetes test, that's going to be a huge steal on the competition, isn't it? Massive. And wasn't there something going on this week over in the States that the Biden administration has permitted it's the ECG app, isn't it? There's some patent law going on with another company that feel they developed it. And I think Biden has said, unless you get this sort well, he's permitting, I think, investigation to go further, at least. It's something I was writing about yesterday. 
Yes, that's right. So it, it, it's one of those things where I wonder how far it's being overblown. You wonder whether this is really uh, the, the sort of the uh, the government flexing their muscles amid sort of wider antitrust concerns and anti-competition concerns. And it's sort of like a little bit of a warning shot to Apple because realistically, no one really cares about, you know, a minor patent dispute. So I, I wonder how much it's it's being overplayed for other political purposes. Um, but it just goes to show how how sensitive these technologies are um, and quite how innovative they are. And they are the subject of a lot of contention in terms of patent litigation because th these companies are up against it to develop um, these sorts of solutions. I mean, this will actually have a, enormous implications for um, companies that have very different uses to Apple. This would be Apple fully and aggressively moving into health technology in a way that it hasn't done quite so um quite so independently so far so that will be very interesting to see uh, exactly when they can do this and how it will work mm. i mean it's just to be able to do this without having to prick yourself for blood i mean it's just every every person who has to do this on a regular basis dream i would imagine like to just not be able to do that so i'm excited to see where that ends up um and hopefully it's sooner rather than later uh, but I mean, we have been talking about that. When did these rumors first start? Twenty oh, years ago, twenty eighteen yeah. at least. Long time ago. I mean, they they were investing in startup companies that were developing these health technologies, just in the hope that one of them would would break through. And it looks like um, their own in house solution is is now getting there. So they're now pulling the money out of the startups um, and really going for it with this with this new solution. Hey guys, just want to let you know that this episode of The Mac Rumor Show is sponsored by Magic Spoon. You know, growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid. But as I got older, I have to watch out for sugar and empty carbs. Magic Spoon has the amazing flavors that you love, but it's also high in protein and less sugar. Now, I was able to test out the variety pack, so that came with four flavors, which are cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And this pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five net grams of carbs. It's only 140 calories a serving, and it's high in protein, has zero grams of sugar, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And honestly, if I had to pick a favorite, I would probably go with cocoa and fruity as my top two. I really loved peanut butter, but I only got a very limited uh taste of that because my kids ended up eating pretty much all of it so go to magicspoon.com slash mac to grab a variety pack and try it today and be sure to use our promo code mac at checkout to save five dollars off your order and magic spoon is so confident in their product it's backed with 100 happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll refund you your money no questions asked remember get your next delicious bowl of high protein cereal at at magicspoon.com slash Mac and use the code MAC to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Another headline that caught my attention is the sealed original iPhone sold for over <laughs> $63,000 at auction. Now, I know a lot of us in, uh, especially, you know, tech YouTubers have a lot of those. Shout out Grid Studio for the amazing artwork with the broken down iPhones. Part of me wonders how much I can get for my original iPhone being deconstructed. <laughs> Is that a little different than having it completely sealed and in working order? I guess so. But uh, didn't you, know, you still 60... have an original HomePod? 
was it, by I do listening to your still completely which sealed, so. which is yeah. definitely I'm guessing I have not looked it up, but I'm guessing that took a hit when the when basically the exact same HomePod came back into our lives. Uh, I know we're going to talk about that later, but everyone says that. Well, I didn't ever. I think Hartley, you've got the original. I never listened or had the original, so I've only got the new oh. one. But uh, everyone's saying that that original still sounded better. So maybe maybe you haven't hit, taken a hit on it. Maybe it's going to be a real niche value. You never know. Could be the kids' inheritance, yeah. Does it sound better? I think that's up to a lot of people's opinions. Um, I think they're both pretty close, but is it better in terms of uh, you know not having a bunch of issues with it? I would think the new one is probably going to uh, to beat that <laughs> one out a little bit. But uh, yeah, who who made the bid on this? Was that you, Hartley? Sixty three thousand dollars? No, I I can't I can't <laughs> say it was, um, but I I I think it would be. Uh, while it would be a nice collector's piece, I'm not sure it would be that nice. I've, I struggled to, to imagine really how how you how you quantify that because I wonder even how they check it. I mean, do they do they X-ray it? How do they know it's not just a a brick inside when it's a when it's a sealed item? Because there have been cases of these things being faked. Well, right, and like look at the I don't know the the image that's on our on our website there with the with the article is that like. Is that the actual image of the box? Because yeah, that is the actual the actual one. image. Because that seal look little... looks real suspect to me, yeah. right? Like it looks <laughs> like it's been resealed, and you can do that pretty easily. So I don't know. Especially, so it was devices. The original retail price was five ninety nine, so a hundred and five times more expensive for a phone that I hope no one opens. Imagine if like your kid gets into that and just opens it up. Look, Dad, new iPhone. Oh. <laughs> It's kind of like the fine wine idea, isn't it? You know, there's these wines that people pay fortunes and fortunes for that will never get opened. And no one's absolutely sure in many cases if it's any good anyway. It's just got this reputation. The same with the iPhone. Right. <laughs> um, and then our last story that we're going to touch on before we get into our main topic is that, uh, you know, we're all waiting for the the extremely expensive headset that should be announced this year for uh, for AR, VR, but it apparently seems to be uh, in the works already that a cheaper second-gen headset's already happening at Foxconn. Um, and so with this one being in the range of like three to $5,000, what are you expecting the cheaper one to be? Is this the one that Apple kind of uh, pushes out to the masses and says, hey, we've made this one, here's your proof of concept, now here's a slightly cheaper version? Or is it much cheaper. I mean, think about a MetaQuest at what, three forty nine, three ninety nine. Like, where are we going to be at with Apple stuff? I'll start I with you, Hartley. I think it will be significantly. Uh, it will be significantly cheaper, but I wouldn't think it will. It won't even remotely compete with what Meta is doing. This this uh, so called cheaper headset will still be more expensive than most Macs. So That's you're still insane. talking. The, it, it's now looking to me like the first generation headset might be five thousand dollars, and then this, this cheaper second generation maybe two or three thousand dollars. That's the sort of difference. Um, but I, 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 you know, I was initially thinking maybe I would be a customer of the first generation headset. I don't know about you, David, but I think <laughs> the maybe I need to look to the second one at earliest. Well, I've learned a lot over the last couple of weeks. I started working with a renders artist this year. And it turns out he's an absolute diamond and a massive fan and geek of anything that's AR, VR. So I'll constantly get these WhatsApp messages coming through with new information. And yesterday, he sent me a whole spreadsheet. He's managed to find all the raw, or many of the raw materials that are being used. 
and he's costed them out what the cost is and then added sort of 40 to 50 percent on and he's coming out to three three and a half thousand dollars um it was a full list i've got as well it's a proper spreadsheet he sent me um and i've made a couple of videos about it and yeah i mean it's going to be very high end for a very, again it's a niche product but i think they almost want it to be at this stage and i think that's an apple way of going and he came up with a name, by the way. He thinks it's going to, well, he slash now me, because I put it on the video title, thinks it's going to be called Apple Vision because it's taking on the aspect of television and it's trying to hone from television and give us that kind of uh, entertainment feeling. So that that's the title I've gone with, Apple Vision. We'll see. But what well, are there's the... still so many questions hanging yeah. over the device. I mean, we, we we really know so little about it considering it's just months away. Which is, is fascinating considering that, for example, say with the iPhone 15 Pro, which we'll get to a little bit later, we've, we have now seen real world images of that. And that is still, what, seven uh, months away at this point. So we are less than that away from the headset. And yet we have not seen a, a real world glimpse of it at all. iPhones tend to leak pretty early, though. I mean, because for the most part, we kind of know, like, okay, this is, you know, especially when there's a new redesign that happens you kind of know it's going to stick to that aspect for a couple of years so like you kind of have everything mostly fleshed out with a full new product like this like we know a lot but like you said we also don't know a lot it's just kind of like it's a lot of speculation and a lot of substantiated rumors and then a lot of things that were like this could go in either direction um and i'm also still not convinced while i personally think it's going to be at wwdc i mean would you be surprised if it gets pushed back again? I would have thought, given the pace they started off this year with, I think there's going to be an awful long lull now. I can't see what they're going to do at spring. It just, it's something I've given quite a lot of thought to. And all we know this year really is headset, iPhone 15, Mac Pro, kind of the only headline things we're waiting for. So what would they do at spring? They're not going to do this, particularly with the Mac Pro, the way it's looking now. It makes no sense to give that was that's not an event is it not by itself and so i think it's going to be a long lull now until wwdc when i think your call's right probably that's what they're shouting for and hoping for with the headset but and then maybe later in the year mac pro comes out with the new display that i know hartley's written about but um maybe that's going to be later in the year i think it's gonna be yeah, a patch I, a year though i really do it, it, it is looking like it will be a, a quieter year because of course in, in terms of Apple's development cycle, we are now looking at the, the the products that were started to ramp up their development in about 2020 and 2021, when, of course, people were transitioning to work from home and uh, Apple's supply chain was, was being wrecked and they didn't know what they would be able to get hold of in a few years' time because of the supply chain difficulties that they were going through. And so it really is a result of that. I mean, this iPad Pro redesign that we have been waiting for. I really don't think that Apple intended when they introduced that redesigned iPad Pro in 2018 to have that design persist well into what will be 2024. That's a very long time to have that sort of basic squared off 11 inch iPad Pro hanging around with very, very few changes. Um, and so this year, yeah, that's that's basically it. We might see an iMac Pro. We might see, uh, it's quite likely we'll see a 15-inch MacBook Air at some point. But it is quite slim pickings this year. Even things like the Apple Watch mm. Series 9 are looking like quite small updates. So maybe that's why thinking about the second-generation headset and then OLED products next year that things start to get a little bit more interesting. Do we think it's going to be even 
less of an upgrade from Apple Watch Series 7 to Apple Watch Series 8. Because that upgrade was uh, not It could be. I wouldn't be surprised. It will be chip. It will be the chip, really, because the chip is the thing yeah. that has been the same across three generations. I mean, it's, it's got the same uh, product code. They just call it a different thing. It's a marketing exercise. Um, so, yeah, it will just be it will be a, a chip upgrade because the chip is currently based on the A13 Bionic, which is from the iPhone 11. So it's it's overdue. If they give us something now that is based on probably the A15. That would be a significant uh, update, or maybe even if it was based on the A17, that would be quite impressive. Yeah, uh, to really introduce some sort of efficiency saving, and if that th- through that efficiency saving they could give you uh, an enormous battery life boost, that would be enough. It would be bigger than really what we got last year. That's true. And again, the, he- the headset seems to be uh, the source of all the problems for this year at Apple because there's so many resources human resources in particular man hours being thrown at finally getting the headset out that i think all the creative brains are honed in on one area so again i just think it's going to be very slim pickings this year yes i think that's exactly it i think that that we will see that most acutely when it comes to wwdc i think we're not even going to hear all that much about ios 17 uh, it's going to just be get get those other updates out of the way and then here is everything about the headset and no and then you won't even care about ios 17 afterwards everyone's going to just at least in our community will just forget about it um, because we will have this new thing that we need to dive into well, I think they're behind on the development of iOS 17, aren't they? I think, again, because of just development time, I'm sure that they're running behind on everything just in this final push to get the headset out. They need to, I know they don't want to be first, they want to be best, as it were. But at some point, you know what it's like? You can spend too long perfecting every, at some point, you've got to let it fly, haven't you? You've just got to let it breathe and be. And I think that's probably the evaluation they've made at this point. Uh, I mean, this headset was originally supposed to launch in 2020. It theoretically could have. Uh, if they would have had in-person events, if they would have been a little bit further along. And so I suppose now with the second generation headset in the supply chain, it's, it is, it, we know that it's going to be lighter. It's going to be uh, a slightly more, a slightly slimmer design. It will be, uh, it will have, uh, I think it's something that there will be some battery changes with it as well. Whether that means that uh, there'll be the battery pack will be integrated or it will be a, a smaller battery. There, there were those sorts of changes and probably three nanometer chips coming through at that point is where the headset starts to get interesting and they're thinking we've got to get the first gen out because we need to give to get this in the hands of developers we've developed this product um and then so it's just a case of just push it out at this point i think that's where they are with it they it, it should have been a long time ago that we saw this thing i still don't understand the idea behind pulling all of your developers working on other projects like ios 17 and ipad os or mac os or wherever they're pulling them from to work on, you know, okay, now you're doing the headset and the software for that and then not filling that. Like, why wouldn't we just hire people to come in and specifically work on the headset and leave the others alone so that we're not just like, okay, well, we we, we created this whole new product space and there's a whole new uh, operating system behind it. Uh, so everything else in theory is going to suffer now even more than it already is. I mean, how many tweets do I see about people complaining with, with all the bugs that are happening in iOS 16? Uh, now we're just going to push out iOS 17 because they have to and i don't know it just it, it it doesn't make any sense to me especially for a company like apple like i don't mm. know yeah, maybe so this is the year that they do they, they do uh they do address those bugs so it could be an ios 12 style release where they just say we know that there there are bugs these updates there aren't really new features but we have spent 
this time to really polish our different sets of software. And I don't think that uh, any of us would really complain too much if that was the case. Do you guys think there's going to be quite a lot of press release items this year? Because again, talking of the Mac Pro, for instance, it sounds like really it's a, in the end going to be quite an iterative change. It's going to be, yes, using Apple Silicon, clearly M2, possibly M3. But if what we're being led to believe is true, that it looks the same, it's not a very exciting product to release. And very few people are going to buy it now, particularly after the Mac Studio. So you kind of think that a lot of these things could be done via press release this year to keep the cost down and then just focus on the big events, the ones, the really important core events to them this year. I think that comes into it because Apple is not going to want to take the spotlight away from the headset. And it, the longer mm. they go without having an event and the longer they leave after having one uh, about the headset, it, it just it really increases the level of interest and enthusiasm around the device. But having said that, uh, I'm not so sure about that being the case for the Mac Pro, because if they if they do release the Mac Pro via press release, I think it would be an admission of failure. I think already there is a lot of concern in the community about how far this device will even really be recognizably a Mac Pro and not just a Mac Studio in the Mac Pro's casing. So if they just they just push it out via press release and just say, yes, it's got a, an M2 Ultra chip, which we already know what to expect from the M2 Max. Maybe you can upgrade some storage with a, an SSD upgrade kit. Maybe there's some PCIe slots. That's it. If that's what they do, uh, and they, they don't give us a song and dance about it, I think that that would be. Uh, it would. It, I think the, back, the 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 lack of uh, the lack of management around that would backfire a little bit. Yeah, even less people will buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Mac Studio has clearly kind of taken stolen its thunder for many, many people that would have bought a lower end. Mac Pro are now more than happy with the performance of Mac Studio, which is in itself more than most of us need. So, because you've run you've run the Mac Pro, haven't you, Dan? I I'm on the Mac Pro right now, but I haven't used this machine as like a daily, you know, driver per se. For uh, well, when did the Ma the M1 Max MacBook Pro came out? I made that my daily because it was so it was so good. Like the performance was even better than the Mac pro that we had here. And then I currently use the Mac studio, um, when I am actually in my actual setup and everything, but right now I'm just, my life is in shambles and everything is just everywhere. So, uh, bear with me as I, uh, eventually will make videos again. I was just telling Hartley earlier, I haven't done anything in a week, uh, in terms of making videos, I have been packing and moving and doing all of those things, uh, as one person can do. Um, and it's amazing how much stuff you'll, you'll find out, David, if you are, keep going with this YouTube stuff, you will find out just how much stuff you will accumulate over time. You probably already have figured that out. Oh man. Yes. When I yeah. started off on this merry little road, I, I kept on saying, right, I'm going to just use the iPhone and the camera. I'm not going to make any expenses mm, here. Well, that wait. was a lie. Yeah. Now I bought the Canon. I've got a teleprompter, studio lights, had another tripod delivered yesterday. It just goes on and on. You just know? wait till you start getting more cameras and more sets and try to That's make right, it. That's right, I need the B-roll then. That's right, I need the other camera, yep. Yep. So it oh, becomes quite a bit of, it's like basically I moved an apartment from, you know, like an apartment that I had from one area to another all by myself. Uh, and that was not a good time uh, my this is my kind of podcast studio but my studio that i shoot at is a, I don't know, a few miles away from here and i was in there early this week and the guys downstairs are architects and they just went upstairs and they said you've got so much more stuff than when we last looked when does it stop and i, I don't think that it's going to stop anytime soon it never will 
Um, but we'll move on to our main segment. Uh, it's going to be audio focused as, you know, that's that's kind of your world. Uh, so let's just jump right into the main story. And that's the new colors for Beats, Fits, Pro. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you can take your pick. We're going to we're going to dive into the HomePod. We're going to talk about AirPods Max. Um, what, 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 what would you like to start off with? Oh, and Apple Music, by the way. Okay, yeah, I, actually, that's something I wanted to talk to you about because I know, again, having listened to you, as I always do, chaps, uh, I know oh, you're a big you. Spotify, big Spotify I person. Well, day one, aren't you? And I just don't get Spotify. I really don't. For some reason, I still pay the subscription. But I, 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 firstly, the thing I like about Apple Music, of course, is you can rip and upload your own music to listen to. True. So a lot of that vinyl, I will digitize then I can listen to it wherever I want. So that's one big thing. But I, 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 everyone keeps telling me that the algorithm on Spotify is just wonderful and it keeps finding fantastic music for you. Mm-hmm. How often are you using it though? Not very often. Then it's not going to be very good. <laughs> you have to, I mean, think I don't think you need to be using it since 2009 like me, but you need to be using it for a while and eventually it will figure out. I don't think it really needs to be that long, but I think like a couple months, like a solid couple months as your main music source and you're listening to music as much as you do on Spotify, it comes up with incredible playlists. And there are playlists that are just crazy. The amount of custom playlists, not just like, yes, you can search whatever you want and there's public playlists from people that they've made, but the playlist that Spotify comes up with based off of what you listen to and then spans through like the early 2000s, 2010s, 1990s. Like you can go through decades and it picks your music and gives you, and it's amazing. And then there's genre play. I mean, like I know that Apple has some of this stuff, but I, I do use both of them probably in the same vein that you use both as well. Um, and I just, I don't see it. And so that's the only reason why there are things that I don't like about Spotify, but I just can't pull myself off of it. I thought maybe once like Tesla got the, uh, Apple Music app that I would have made the full switch, but I, I still haven't done it and I don't know why. So I guess most of the time I kind of open up Apple Music knowing who I'm going to listen to. And so from there, again, it goes back to, you know, having had all that time in, in radio. I, I wake up on a certain day in the mood for a certain artist or a certain style of soul or whatever or jazz. So I kind of know who I want to listen to. Maybe that's, I'm not saying I've got the knowledge of an algorithm, but I kind of got enough history to know maybe what I want to listen to at any given time. So I don't rely so much on being served music. Perhaps that's the difference. Are you someone who listens to music album front to back, start to finish? This morning, actually, I I did put vinyl on. Yeah. And I know hardly seen a couple of my tweets when I write every morning, I tend to listen to vinyl. This is part of what I do. So yeah, I do tend to listen to albums start to finish. I don't just track hop. Because we got kind of like different generations going on here. And I feel like, you know, like the younger. Gen pool. Gen pool. Yeah, well, I'm just, hey, listen, I, I, Hartley is the youngest one. So let's just jump right okay, in with Hartley. There, shall we? Let's just jump right in with Hartley and say, like, is your generation. I, I mean, I think I know the answer to this. Your generation is more of like 
we're not listening to full-on albums. There's a reason why artists have completely pivoted towards just releasing singles more often and then throwing those into just an album. Like, you basically get the full album throughout the course of 14, 15 weeks to keep their content cycle and to keep their relevancy over time. That's their whole plan. Uh, I personally hate that. I think two singles and then I want an album and I want to be able to listen to it from start to finish. But I would love to know, Hartley, how do you digest music when you when you go to do that? Well, I used to mainly mainly shuffle uh, music. I think that is a, a generational thing because you, yeah. you don't perhaps feel a need to to even conceive of things in terms of albums, and yeah. that is how Spotify is ultimately built. Mm -hmm. um, it, it really does see things as individual tracks, whereas Apple Music is more for enthusiasts, where it's built on iTunes, and Apple Music encourages you to. Um, sort of curate and prune a library as you would um, with physical music a little bit more so than with Spotify, where you just like uh, a track and then it's sort of floating around nowhere, really. Um, I recently tried Spotify for a little while. So <laughs> isn't, it I, the, I, uh, isn't it the worst in how you just described like artist and library management? You don't know yeah, where that like song goes. You have no idea. Exactly. That's what I actually didn't like about it. And as David says, you know, I, I, I like to just go and choose an artist and be able to just dive mm -hmm. into that artist, which I feel Apple Music enables me to do. Um, but more recently, I have started listening to albums a little bit more uh, back to back. I tell you, if you're ever if you're a person that doesn't do this, uh, a great album to to get why it can be a great experience to do that with would be uh, the Love album by the Beatles. Because it it just it, it seamlessly transitions through every single track transitions, and so it's a it's a really great experience to do that. And I think maybe uh, in my case at least, you needed to hear it being done really well and really seamlessly, and to have a real sense of it not being an arbitrary thing. The track order, and I know for most artists it isn't an arbitrary thing, but it's hard to believe that from the outside a lot of the time. So it's nice if you can see a, a good example of it. I would say, lots of the interviews that I did in music radio or with jazz artists and it inevitably came down to the order of tracks and it's hugely important to them and to their label and equally talking of generational things my daughter who's only 25 and in the music industry she works for a record label hardly ever buys music she just streams it so she's kind of killing the very industry that she's in and trying to make a living from you know, it, it, and that says it all because that generation, she isn't beginning to get vinyl now, although hasn't got a turntable, oddly. But um, at least I think maybe that generation will eventually pivot to wanting to own music again. I hope. I think a lot of people buy vinyl and don't have a record player or any intentions on actually listening to it that way. Such and a shame. It is a shame, but I'm also okay with it because that is a, it's still a good way to support like artists mm. you know because mm. they make way more on physical sales than they do streaming um and that's a whole entirely different argument for another time but like even if that's what you want to do to collect it that's cool i mean i highly encourage actually listening to it but uh, i'm guilty of buying some albums that i'm just like i'm just gonna buy it just to collect and i have no intentions on actually listening to it on here uh, I like to listen to vinyl of like older stuff because I just think it was produced and sounds way better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, what we wanted to touch on with Apple Music, you know, I don't use it. So you guys got to tell me, have there been any major app improvements? I personally really like the way Apple Music looks, how 
it's broken down because I did start off with iTunes and having my own library and I do miss that. But ultimately with Spotify, um, I, I kind of adopted the main, uh, like what you guys both do. I do shuffle a lot of playlists, uh, a lot of songs that I really like. I just throw it all into one playlist that I have, or I will use Apple's or I'm sorry, Spotify's aggregated playlist and listen to music that way. But then once I find it and discover a new artist, I then go down into my old, my old person brain is what I'm going to call it. And I, uh, I do want to go and listen to the, their albums from start to finish like that. I, so I do a little bit of both, but with you guys, like, have you noticed any improvements in Apple Music at all in the way you guys use it on a daily basis? I know you talked about the the interface of it quite a lot, Harley. You've been disappointed with the way that Apple, the UI of Apple Music looks. Yes. Like it. So it's it's I, I have a love hate relationship with with Apple Music because it, I think that some parts of the app, and especially moving to Spotify, has enabled me to appreciate some things that it does really well. Like I say, being able to just leaf through the albums that I have added to my library is is a really nice basic thing that I just I don't think I was able to do that in Spotify. Um, and it obviously just looks prettier with its use of artwork, etc. But I sort of wish that artwork was a little bit more front and center. Um, it, you know, it, it is that thing of it's hard to really capture um, album art that should be blown up on a on a physical record when it's a tiny little icon. And I think they could go further with that. I know they've done some great things around animated album art, which can be really nice if you get a classic album and they've sort of done sort of some sort of perspective zoom or some sort of little animation. So I'd really like to see things like that being taken further. But I just think it's basic stuff like playlist sorting, being able to more easily delete stuff from your library. And obviously the algorithm is the main thing that does need work because Spotify is doing it better than Apple Music. I don't think either of them are perfect. And actually my experience is quite different to yours, David. I use Spotify for 48 hours. Other than 48 hours, it knew me inside out. And I have quite an eclectic okay. taste in music. So that was really... Oh. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll take that as my my homework to take away from this podcast. I'll I'll try and you use Spotify. Gotta jump back in on Spotify. I'll, I'll give it. But a I go. did abandon I it. To be to be fair, I did abandon it because it it, did, it wasn't enough for me. Um, Apple Music still overall gave better experience. Not to mention things like spatial audio, um, and and these these other enhancements and just the integration with the Apple ecosystem, which we which we all uh, well not you Dan but. David and I, at least. Uh, hey, no, I I use. Uh, I don't know why I'm picking up my phone. I use Apple Music. Like, I I, I actually pay for iTunes Match. I don't know if anybody else that's oh, yeah. listening oh, yeah. knows what that means, but I know you guys do. But uh, it's uh, it's specifically. Sorry if I can speak. Um, it's specifically because of back in the day when I would download and rip music from places and, you know, and old like CDs and things that honestly don't exist in, in some of the streaming. It's not a lot, but there are some things. Uh, I used to be in a band uh, for those who don't know. And, uh, you know, I have my own music and stuff that I've made on there. And so like being able to like take that and stream it is cool and i kind of wish you could do that on spotify i don't even know if you can still do this anymore but on spotify you used to be able to um at least if you had music locally on your computer you could play that inside the spotify like yeah. app you, but you i have not do that locally you, okay that's but what you, i figured it, but, it doesn't sync which is right which is the, real real drawback there the big bummer yeah like if it so was if able you, to sync so that would be awesome so if you being such a spotify lover then is the fact that the home for instance <laughs> don't natively play spotify is that a yeah, big that, bummer for you that sucks yeah, that sucks. yeah i yeah. i have to do i have to rely on airplay and uh it airplay the lag between like pressing the pause button and 
like doing things like that really bums me out. And that's just kind of an airplay thing in general. I feel like it's not necessarily, uh, well, I guess I don't really airplay a lot of Apple music stuff. Does it do the same thing? I have done. Yeah. In the living room, you know, using the phone, I've done that quite a lot again with my own albums that aren't part of Apple music. So I have done it just coming off topic very, very, very briefly in the mention of word airdrop. Since the last month, I constantly have to restart Finder on my M1 Max. Oh, is it doing the thing where you, you, it freezes? Yeah, yeah, that happened to me. Um, You have to relaunch Finder. So the the workaround, I've I've noticed it never does this. If you drag and drop into the Finder, like like if you open up AirDrop in Finder and drag and drop that way, it does not do that. But if you right-click, share, Using AirDrop, it will it, yep. every I don't know one out of four times it will like just completely yep. not send anything, so and then Finder is broken. No, no, no. This is yeah, it's a bug. That's the only bug from Finder that I have encountered. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry with Air, with AirDrop with AirDrop. Uh, I know Hartley had one last time we talked about this that like it just doesn't send anything, right? Uh, I don't know. It's a it's a it, it's a it is a strange but wonderful technology. <laughs> It's um, weird right. because the older the, the the devices, I've got an age-old iPad, um, iPad Mini that I use, and that works fine, absolutely every time. That will receive and send airdrop no problem at all. But the newer, it's the inconsistency of it, isn't it? It's, no, yeah, that's what yeah, it totally, comes down to. Totally. Well, um, real quick on Apple Music, uh, one of the other things is Apple Music Classical. I mean, I know or Apple Classical. Sorry, I know we've kind of beaten this down a lot. Um, I. At this point, I, I don't really know what else to say about it besides I'm just – when Apple releases it, it's going to be like that one TikTok where you hear like someone does something cool and then in the background you hear like, hooray. Like that's going to be my <laughs> response. It's just like, hooray, and then we're I'm going to quickly move on because I'm not a big classical music fan. I do like classical music, but I don't know that I need a separate app to listen to the stuff that I would want to listen to. Um, but do you guys have any uh, thoughts about that? Do you, Hartley? Do you know when? What's the rumor on that? Is it actually going to come now in sixteen point five? I know I saw that started to get Who tested. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it is something we'll see at WWDC. Um, but oh, I, I'm boy. really interested from from you, David. What what do you feel about Apple Classical? Is it, what what are you looking to see from not only Apple Music, um, the app itself, but where how they're going in terms of curating a library and what do you what do you want to see them doing with how they're sort of reimagining how libraries should be should be built and just the whole the, experience really yeah I, I think the interface itself could do with a freshen up a touch up kind of thing it does feel a little bit dated and even the way they try and say what you've recently uploaded it, for me and i'm pretty careful with how i go about my music libraries and so on and it doesn't seem to go necessarily you, you know they'll say recently added in 2021 or 2022 or something but not all of the albums that i know for sure were there it's fine if i happen to buy them from apple music but if i've ripped and put something in there myself a cd here i'm talking about so it is of the right format not vinyl i'm trying to sort of fudge onto them myself sometimes it just seems to get lost and i full well know that i've got that album in there somewhere because with cd certainly that was one of the first things i did i used apple music to rip it basically it was the easiest way to do it um and that way that you know i knew then i could just put the cd away and it was with me wherever so i think they could do with making it look and feel fresher and easier to use just less clunky less buttons to press and i did see there's meant to be some changes to apple podcasts the app coming along but i think it's only available with the beta testers at the moment but apparently there's some more playlist functions and station functions coming in there isn't there well again i don't i also do not use the podcast app uh (laughs) 
I use Apple or I use Spotify for that just because it's all one location. But um, I did test the beta recently, and some of the changes that I saw were pretty insignificant to me, but I am not a daily user. So, like, Hartley, I know you use them. Do you, Did you think that, like, not the anymore. up next not stuff? Anymore. You don't use Apple? Or do you use Overcast, right? I, well, Cast? yes. I, I, I constantly end up torturing myself by switching, switching? between the, the two God. and just What's wrong wishing with you? That, that Apple Podcasts <laughs> would be... And I, and I have, like, I don't know, like 3,000 podcasts waiting to listen to at a time. So it really is awful 3, to have to constantly 000. switch between them. Yeah. Uh, I never quite I catch you, up. I thought you only listened to our show. We don't have that many episodes. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, just keep them on loop. No, he told me to listen to mine too. So, you know, he didn't... Well, and, and the minus 16 day. podcast, yeah. of course. <laughs> minus 16. How could we all forget? We have to be on that one too. Those are the only two worth listening. Yeah, well, you know, they're exactly. relevant, yeah. So, uh, Overcast, I've always been tempted, but never actually tried it. Is it worth me dipping in? If you are a podcast uh, mm. enthusiast and you like mm. to have a little bit more control over things like notifications, like simple things like the ability to skip the beginning or end of a podcast by a certain amount of time and then leave that setting, different speed ah. settings for different podcasts as well, and you can leave those set. Um, mm. different rules for how many episodes you want to download of recent things. So it is if you're the sort of person that likes tinkering with different settings for individual podcasts so that you have a more seamless experience, uh, it's it's really good. It is also much more stable. The sync is very, very good um, compared to what you get out of Apple Podcasts. Is it good for discovery? No. Okay. Neither is any of the apps, honestly. Apple I mean, Podcasts is, is, is not bad pretty at good discovery. At it. Yeah. I say Spotify, I guess I don't really like look too hard at it, but like some of the suggestions that I get are like, I don't know. I, I didn't like that in Spotify. It's, when it, I did yeah. my 48 hours with Spotify, I was just thinking, yeah. I'm here for music. Why why, why you keep you know, putting podcasts in my face? Oh, I have my podcast player. Really pushing front and center uh, audiobooks and mm. podcasts. And like neither one of those are things that i like stay in your lane spotify you're really good at like <laughs> suggesting music like why if you're gonna do that you need to be better at it i feel like the podcast suggestions are like the way i look at apple suggesting music to me <laughs> <laughs> it's not great yeah I, but, I like hartley i love podcasts i i listen to so many so many they've become a real thing and I haven't quite got 3,000 backed up, but it is one of those yeah, dude, weekly 3, chores to try and almost get through the podcast that I want to listen to. You know, you kind of get, as you know, partly you get into a routine of such and such comes out on whatever day. And isn't it weird yeah. how you actually begin to look forward to, you know, Thursday night, you know, such and such a podcast is coming out. And with you guys, it's generally Friday that a podcast comes out Friday morning. We get it here in the, in the UK. And you, you just get used to the days of the week and the kind of almost the allotted time that you're going to listen to a certain podcast, you know. I listen to you guys generally on a Saturday morning, just the way it goes. See, I wonder if, like, is that good or bad for us and other people who release podcasts on Fridays? Like, because I don't listen to podcasts during the weekend. I listen to it on my commute. Uh, you know, pretty much whenever I'm in the car is the only time I will listen to a podcast. But I also have kids, so they would not allow me to sit down. And I have young kids, let me rephrase that, that would not allow me to sit down and uh, do anything that I want to do for myself. So... <laughs> <laughs> what speed do you both listen to your podcasts at? I'm curious. Just at normal, one times, one X. I actually regular. like to slow it down even more. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, honestly, I, I I think it ruins it if I go faster for really? me. I like That's to listen to the normal. Because like a lot of the ones mm. that I listen to are mostly like comedy-based. 
And so right. like delivery yes. is mega important. Yes. And so if I speed that up, it's not as funny. So see, I, I listen at two to three times speed, but I just wondered if that was normal. I think it is for like apparently not. No, I think <laughs> not two two or three times speed. That's like if you speak quickly like i do you know I, I don't i think if anyone listening to listening to this podcast on three times speed that would be quite impressive <laughs> oh, there's no way anyone would be able to understand what i'm saying if they listen to <laughs> i try to slow myself do down it. but if i'm you, if, the way to do it if you want to listen to more podcasts if you want to get through your your queue of three thousand, this is how you do it you gradually increase <laughs> the speed each week you speed up a notch. Harley, you're not doing a good job. You're not doing a good enough job if you still have three thousand backed up. Or that means you yeah, have six thousand. <laughs> oh, he's too busy. He's, he's got to, too much work. I need yeah. to see he the list of podcasts. All right. Well, let's move on because I do want to touch on a couple of other things. Um, like hardware. Yeah, hardware mostly. Um, what let's what do you have right now? Do you have an AirPods Max? Uh, David, or do you have the new HomePod? I, do you have any of those two right now, I've or have you been able to so use them? In, in honor of coming on this podcast with you this week, I actually bought the... Um, okay, perfect. So I let's bought, start I with bought, that. I bought them. So all good with those. Not okay. a really a, a bad word to say. They're, you know, People said they were too heavy. No, although I do wear studio headphones a lot, so you yeah. know, the weight to me was an issue. I really like the sound. There's definitely an Apple signature that carries over from AirPod Pro 2. When I was A-B testing them to, to make a video about them, that's going to be my next video, actually. Um, there's definitely a sound signature there, but the, the one thing that really struck me with those is the active noise cancelling. At home, it's too much. I mean, not necessarily my scientific test, but I've got a very, very loud cat. And she was screaming <laughs> at the top of her voice at me, and I could not hear a thing without any music playing. Just having it turned, the active noise cancelling turned on. It's as I say, it, it doesn't really hold to my audio background that the cat is my way of testing. But it was, it was. I had to go into transparency mode. It was too much. But I'm a big fan of the noise cancelling on, particularly when you're out. That's why I bought AirPod Pro two. Well, the AirPod Pro and AirPod Pro two last year was particularly for the noise cancelling. It's just something else, isn't it? So what would be, if you had to, what would be your wish list for AirPods Max 2, I guess is probably what they'll call yeah. them. Or... I've, well, I don't know what you guys feel, but I've always wished that there was some form. I know they've got adaptive EQ, but I'm one of those old guys that would actually like some kind of control of my EQ myself. Yes. I would really love that. Because again, I know in the Spotify app, I think you've got certain parameters you can change the sound. Apple just don't ever want you to do that. They bake nope. in their sound <laughs> and that's it. And I would that I think is the one thing I'd really like to see change, just to have a little bit more control. Because again, if you're listening to something that's say, you know, really well recorded jazz from the fifties or something, it's got a totally different EQ and, yeah. and the way you want to listen to it, to something that's modern recording, Dolby Atmos or spatial you know, something really heavy on bass, you, you, you just, I'd, I'd like a little bit more granular control myself. That that would be a big wish for me. Hartley. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. Seeing as it's more expensive, what were you going to say, Dan? Oh, I was just going to ask you, like, is that something that you would do? No. Okay. See, but, I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to put you in a corner or label you as like someone who wouldn't care, but I feel like there are certain like me me and david would care I, about wanting to adjust that but i feel like most people don't care so that's why apple just doesn't want you I, to do it i get concerned when i have more choice 
it introduces more <laughs> i i'm prone to decision fatigue so i like i like it to not have to choose um but that's you know that's i accept if you're if you're my perspective is this is a a 550 dollars pair of headphones which are really really not any better than competitors that are 200 dollars cheaper than that um other than just their connectivity and that means that if you're paying that much extra and it's not just an Apple tax, you really should be able to expect a little bit more granular control. Um, I think that's a reasonable expectation for a device that is, even if I'm not calling them you know, AirPods Pro Max or whatever, um, they are like a professionally targeted product ultimately. Maybe not professionally targeted, prosumer targeted, because I don't know if you can use them in an actual professional context. Professionally priced though, and that's where yeah. like... Yeah. You, that's where you're going to want to be able to do that. Like there are so many headphones out there that I, I mean, and another thing is Apple is really good at giving us a good sound profile right out of the box. So, I mean, we don't technically need to be able to adjust it, but some people want to, and some people do want to be able to adjust that. And I think that's where a lot of other headphones, like I always say out of the box, like AirPods Max are probably the best, but I can get a Sony, well, oh God, what is the name? WX-1000 Mark Fives or whatever the new ones are. I can get those, I mean, out of the box, they sound great. I can get those to sound just as good or a little bit better than an AirPods Max because if you kind of know what you're looking for and know what you're doing, you can fine tune and adjust the uh, the the EQ and that really does make a difference. So I think the the easy fix for that is just give us the option in the app, but make it the same way for everybody else uh, or make mm. give us an option in settings. But if no one wants, to, if you don't seek it, Hartley, it shouldn't give you any any uh, any like worry. Anxiety. Yeah, anxiety. Yeah. Thank you. The, the the interesting thing is because I spend a lot of time in kind of these studio headphones, which are by design very neutral, very flat, and that's why I use them. But then when I jumped over to the AirPods Max, it was interesting that there wasn't any real heavy inclination in any it's a very safe kind of middle of the ground sound they've gone for, which I think is probably their def argument and defense for not giving us controls ourselves because it, it doesn't really offend anybody last time i wore a pair of beats i mean you know you're wearing beats <laughs> there's no getting away from it because <laughs> it just rocks yeah. you back but um so i think they've gone for a very safe signature and it's one that i quite happen to like but i think if you wanted your music a little bit more colored and a little bit more flavor to it heavier bass i mean i thought that the the, the clarity of the sort of the, without i don't know if i'm allowed to get too nerdy but the, the, no, the no no you the, can can I? All right, I'll nerd yeah. off for a moment. So, the, the, on I, I found on the AirPods Max that the clarity in the mids was kind of a little bit cleaner, and I, I felt that the vocals just stood out a little bit more, say, than the AirPods Pro Two, marginal, but it was just a little bit of a cleaner sound in there, which probably is because they're over the ear headphones, so you've just got a better listening environment, and everything's bigger. Clearly, got more air, more space, but it's a nice profile. Do you guys get upset? That whenever you put your AirPods Max on, it has less features than your AirPods Pro 2. <laughs> <laughs> or just less updates. I do too. Yeah, that's yeah kind of where we're at. I mean, so I Hartley, refresh our memories with the next iteration. We're expecting all of those things to come not this year, but next year. I, I don't like to say we're expecting them because it's that's not true. It's not rumored, but it would be insane if it did not have them. <laughs> so <laughs> it should. Um, the only thing that has been actively rumored is USB-C, uh, which makes sense. You know, if, if we're going to get uh, a USB-C charging case for the other 
AirPods models in the not too distant future, certainly within the, the year, at least after uh, we get iPhone 15 models with USB-C. Um, by the time we get to the next AirPods Max, that does make sense to have USB-C. But I would really like to see from the AirPods Pro, we could get skin detect sensors, we could get uh, IPX water resistance, which obviously is, uh, or I suppose it's just basic ingress protection because it's good for sweat resistance, which you would think would make sense when you're supposed to be working out in these things with your Fitness Plus. Um, I'd like to see, uh, obviously, the H2 chip to work with the headset. Mm. Uh, and then other things like a precision finding with U1. There's a whole load of things that we could take from the AirPods Pro. I think when the H2 comes to Max uh, with the adaptive transparency, that's going to be something special. Because, I mean, that's a real sort of party trick of, of AirPods Pro 2, um, the way it sort of cuts out really loud sounds ever so quickly in live real time. So uh, when that H2 chip gets put inside of AirPods Max, I think that's going to be a big step forward for them, a big step forward. Do you find that noticeable, the adaptive transparency? Because I can never tell if it's working or if it's on. Yes, only, I guess, again, because I'm of that sort of mindset that kind of goes around outside almost field testing these things. If I'm going past something like a building site or something like that and there's a sudden loud crash bang, you do notice that it cuts it out. It does It does work, I think, noticeably enough. As long, again, for most people, they're going to put on some headphones and forget about them. But when you're actually listening to it and looking for it, or if you know what I mean, aware that that should be happening, yeah, it does work. What I'm not so sold on is spatial. That really hasn't... You get a, Obviously, you get a more <laughs> sound around your head, particularly in headphones more than on the speaker um yeah i get that but it it's i don't know again maybe it's just from the, the music background that i've been used to listening to i don't know if spatials necessarily aimed at me and i like everything to do with moving audio forward always a good thing but it just hasn't really gripped me yet I think it depends on on how it's been mastered, how, how the track has mm. been mastered, because mm. it, it really seems to vary to me. Um, a lot of music in my library is available um, in Dolby Atmos, and I just I leave it on. I just let the tracks come and go, and some of them really do sound dreadful, but some of them are mm. excellent. There are there are some where you do have a real sense of the sound existing in 3D space. And it does give you a, a feeling as almost as though it's being played live just because of how well it has been mastered. But I would say it is a minority of tracks that actually are able to do that. And the majority mm. just, they, they feel hollow. They've got a hollowness to them, um, a, well, a slightly sort of echoey. We've talked about this before. There's, there's basically two versions of spatial audio tracks, ones that were uh, remixed but really weren't for spatial audio and then ones that were actually created in the studio. So these would be newer songs uh, where they were actually mixed and recorded and designed for spatial audio. Um, and so I feel like that's why you get a lot of that variation when you're listening. Cause you're getting some of those songs that like Apple, Hey, we've made a playlist of uh, look, listen to all these older songs that have spatial audio, but they don't really have spatial audio. I mean, they probably remixed and engineered the best they could, but if you're not properly recording for that at the start, you're probably not going to notice it as much. Um, one thing on the adaptive transparency, I during testing for the AirPods Pro 2, I don't think I ever got it to like do its thing. And so I couldn't really comment on it. And then I think I tweeted like a month ago that I was at a coffee shop and I thought my AirPods were like, like something was wrong with it. And then I, I it finally clicked that adaptive transparency was working. I was like, mm. why does it feel like it's sucking the noise out of one thing? And like, what's happening with my right? And it was like a loud like dish was, I was at a coffee shop. And so every once in a while, it would just like start to happen where you'd, you'd 
hear it amplify just a little bit more uh, on like one specific part of your head or sometimes both. But for me, it was usually just one um, AirPod that would do that. And so it is kind of cool, but I also kind of wish I could turn that off and not have it because I don't want that all the time. That's the Apple way again, isn't it? What they give you is what you get. There were two design things I found on, on using the AirPod Max this week that I think they could do with working out. I don't know if you found, when you put headphones on, your hands tend to rest on top and I'm always pressing the crown. Whenever I put AirPod Max on, it's always doing something, which I find so annoying. And then the ear cups at the very bottom don't seem to flow around the bottom of your head. And it sounds, it feels to me like some audio leak coming out there. They go straight down. Yeah. I just think they could well, do it's, it's part of that tweets. clamping. It's that yeah. clamping motion of them, which is one thing that I find to be a real shame. You know, I wear glasses all the time as well, and so that mm. is a bit annoying. Um, and it really makes it particularly, uh, particularly present. And other overhead headphones I've used really don't have the same issues with glasses because it does not. It doesn't squeeze your head in the same way that AirPods Max does. Um, mm. I, I think it, it's something that it was possibly just slightly overdone, and it's because it's it's that it is it is like a steel, a solid steel clamp. There's no softness to it, um, and mm. they do they do have an aggressiveness about them. Like they could almost be like a they're almost like Apple Watch Ultra style sort of uh, the way that they've they've imagined they wanted them to feel as these heavyweight things. And I think that's a bit of a shame because if they were if they I wouldn't mind if they were plastic and they were lighter. Um, and they were a bit gentle, or maybe some leather ear cups. That would be really nice um, to be able to have some options in that regard. Do you guys wear yours away from home? Yes, but mostly traveling on a plane. <laughs> I have done, but they are a pain to take with me um, because mm. the smart case is terrible, so I have to use a different case, and it, then it's it's big because you can't fold the cups in properly. Um, and so I, I probably you know, 90% of the time end up just taking AirPods Pro with me. Um, real quick, because we're up against time, uh, I do want to talk mm. about the HomePod. Have you had a chance to dive into the new HomePod a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I know Hartley and I, well, Hartley knows that I wrote about this. I had the worst experience ever. I spent eight hours with a Apple support on the day that I was setting mine up. We could not get it. Apple TV just would not see it as a speaker and neither did my iPhone. And it got to the point that we were almost, he said, I think you've got to totally flatten your phone. And I was like, come on, this can't be right. And in the end, two days after, um, it, I, I, I was very effusive in saying how wonderful this Apple support guy had been, spent every hour with me. He could on that day. I'll be right back to you the next day with an answer. I've never heard from him since. So yeah. maybe my praise was misplaced. But the update, 16.1.3, is it? 16.2, the latest update, just magically fixed everything. So since then... I use it predominantly with 4K Apple TV. Really, really happy so with it. You do really the two stereo pair then? No, I haven't got that much money spare yet. Once I monetize on YouTube, I'm gonna I'm gonna crank it up. Then I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be getting well, that pair. I, mean, I had a pair of minis, okay. and I took the pair of minis off to put the uh, the HomePod in, and the sound, without question, is better on one HomePod as opposed to a pair of minis. That's interesting because that's an interesting conundrum, especially when that mm. sort of brings you close to that price point. I can imagine a lot of people will be deciding, is it worth getting two minis and you get stereo or just to, to go a little bit further and get one HomePod? And I would have I would have thought off the top of my head that two minis in stereo was better. So it's interesting that you say that. Why is that? Is it just the depth and the, the, yeah. the texture of the sound? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sh you, obviously, I'm, Dan, I'm sure you're sort of the same as me. You think two speakers is always going to work better. You're always going to get separation, a left and a right. But because they're so much smaller and the sound yeah. is 
so way off the quality of a HomePod, just that one solitary HomePod. And I don't, again, it comes down to this thing, what Apple give you. I don't know if it is reading my room and giving me the best audio for that particular layout, but it's it's delivering really good sound and the, the clarity of speech again. I keep coming back to speech, but that's one of those things it's very easy to tell, particularly when you're watching a movie or something. You know how much you're struggling to to hear dialogue sometimes. The the clarity of speech on that HomePod is is really good. And I have, I was worried thinking taking a pair out, I must be a fool going from two to one, but it's just better quality audio. So do you think that compared to other um, speaker setups and other audio hardware, perhaps sort of things that you do use with your your vinyl setup, how does the HomePod compare to those? Not only in terms of um, how it sounds, but also value for money, because this is a, this is still a very expensive speaker. Well, we're seeing and talking about Apple products. So I think value for money kind of goes out or has gone out the window a long time ago, right? I think we all know that we're paying too much for most of what we buy. But I would defend it that on the whole, it does its job well. And I had somebody comment on a video I made about it saying, you know, it's not as good a quality as studio monitors. I know, but I've got studio monitors and they cost an awful lot more. And if I want to sit and listen to vinyl, I'll go into the studio and listen to very expensive studio monitors. But for sitting in a living room, I just want audio that sounds good. And I used to have a soundbar, I used to have a Sony soundbar that doesn't even compare. And it wasn't okay, it wasn't high, high end, but it wasn't the cheapest either. So the, I was really, because I missed out on HomePod originally, I was really interested to see what it was all about. And so far, apart from the setup, which was just one of those freak things, um, I've been really happy with what it's given me for a good audio in the living room and handoffs working. I, I love handoff. Again, back to podcasts. If I come in, I'm listening to something to be able to just pass it over. That I, I love. So, yeah, the experience I think is good. I personally think that if you can, you got to get that second HomePod and then really put it in the stereo pair. And I think that becomes the new sound that's bar. That's it shines, from, isn't it? It really does. And and honestly, like, you know, that's oh, I'll do six hundred. It's six hundred bucks, and I think there are yeah. a lot of a lot of sound bars that you can get. Um, you know, the Sonos Beam is a pretty good competitor, but I still feel like two HomePods is a lot better. I, and, I definitely would end up going that route. And then you're kind of like it's like right in the middle between like a moderate sound bar to like a high end sound bar. It's right in the middle, and I think it mostly leans more towards the higher end sound bar in terms of like quality than it does the lower end. And so that's why I can justify the 600 bucks. And then you do have more multifunctional use cases with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people can use soundbars to listen to music, but I mean, it doesn't shine as well as a HomePod would. And so when you add it in there, that's just my suggestion for those out there who are like, should I get two larger HomePods or am I good with one? Personally, I think if you can do it, I would I would work towards that, but. No, it's, it's on the list. It's, it's definitely on the list. I'm sure second one will be on the shelf before the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that's kind of where we're going to have to end it. We're up against the time. I mean, we can sit here and talk about audio for, for ages. So we're going to have to have you come back. But again, let everybody know, Minus 16 Podcast, YouTube channel. Minus Go 16 ahead. Podcast, yep. It's got its own uh, channel on YouTube. The main channel is Talking Tech and Audio. My name, David Lewis. You'll find it there. The next video should be up at the weekend. And it is nice. about HomePods, uh, AirPod Max, sorry, making a whole video about that. Uh, right every day, got blogs on Medium. You can leave me there and on Twitter at D Talking Tech. He does it all. I don't know how you do it and stay sane. That's a lot <laughs> <Badly>. of work. <laughs> no, that's great. David, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Uh, pleasure. Real, real good to catch up with you both, Kim.